This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year Automotive News digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash daily drive promo to redeem. Welcome to Daily Drive for Monday, November 13th, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, executive editor of Automotive News in Detroit. And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, what's that about an EV slowdown? New data says market share continues to grow at a robust rate. Hyundai is the latest non-union automaker to boost wages for U.S. workers after the UAW strike. And supply giant Continental may axe thousands of jobs. Plus, Dave Canton Group CEO Dave Canton joins the show to talk about news that the U.K.'s Caltraco is purchasing a minority stake in his company and about the state of mergers and acquisitions in the retail space. Even with rates rising, we are just as busy, if not busier, and I do not see a slowdown. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Electric vehicle registrations grew at a robust pace through the third quarter of this year. According to Experian, EV share rose to almost 7.5% of the U.S. market. A year earlier, EV share was about 5%. The most recent registration numbers show strong demand despite automaker concerns that EV supplies are getting ahead of sales volume. With Tesla leading the way, EV registrations rose 61% in the January to September period to almost 853,000. If the pace continues through the end of the year, 2023 will be the first time EVs break the 1 million mark in a calendar year. Despite this strong showing, Cox Automotive warned that automakers are increasing production capacity and launching new models faster than consumers can absorb them. General Motors and Ford said in October they were slowing EV investments to balance supply and demand. Even Tesla CEO Elon Musk, who wants volume to grow by 50% per year, said he's in no rush to start construction on a Mexico plant because of short-term demand concerns. New vehicle inventory in the U.S. has continued to recover through October. That's despite production interruptions from the UAW strike. Inventory is now close to where it was in March 2021 when shortages of microchips and other components began to cut into dealer stocks. Cox Automotive estimates automakers started November with a 67-day supply or about 2.4 million new vehicles in inventory. That would be an increase of about 190,000 vehicles from a month earlier, and about 919,000 vehicles higher than it was a year ago. Cox said the day's supply had increased by seven days in the previous month and is now at its highest point since late 2020, while also being 41% higher than a year ago. The tightest inventory levels continue to include the least expensive vehicles. Those with sticker prices below $20,000 were in the shortest supply. Cox said Toyota had the smallest day supply. Dodge had the largest. Hyundai is increasing wages for its U.S. manufacturing workers by 14%. The move follows pay hikes at non-union manufacturers Toyota and Honda and the six-week UAW strike against the Detroit Three. 
The raises will go to approximately 4,000 production team members at Hyundai's factory in Montgomery, Alabama, workers who will fill a projected 8,500 positions at Hyundai's EV and battery complex being built in Georgia will fall under the new wage structure. The plant is slated to open in January 2025. Under the new wage structure, manufacturing workers' hourly wages will increase by 25% by 2028. Automotive News reached out to Kia America, which operates as a separate company under Hyundai Motor Group and uses a non-union workforce at its West Point, Georgia factory. It did not respond by the time of publication. And Continental is cutting thousands of jobs worldwide. The component supplier and tire maker is taking steps to reduce costs and bolster the competitiveness of its automotive unit. The company says the cuts are part of a plan to reduce annual costs by almost $430 million. In a statement, Continental says it hasn't decided the exact number of job cuts, but it expects it to be in the, quote, mid-four-digit range. Manager Magazine reported earlier that the company plans to eliminate 5,500 jobs, 1,000 of them in Germany. The automotive division employs about 25,000 people, which is about a quarter of Continental's total workforce. Continental is fighting to stem a slide in profitability at its automotive unit, which has started to fall behind peers as the industry transitions to electric vehicles. People familiar with the talks say the company is weighing options, including divesting its autonomous mobility business or inviting in partners to join it. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, electric vehicle registrations grew in the third quarter of this year, which is great. But on the flip side, Cox Automotive says automakers are increasing production and launching new models faster than consumers can absorb them. Do you think automakers might be getting too far ahead of themselves? Uh, we're definitely seeing them make some adjustments. We talked earlier about the GM, Ford, and Tesla moves. You know, Toyota's been an interesting one, not as uh, EV heavy in its short term plans. Toyota actually dialed back some of its short term plans for EV sales. And at the same time, it increased its outlook for EV sales for later in the decade uh, when they can come out with new solid state batteries. So, a lot of shifts as this you know, really new market is still taking shape. Gotcha. Coming up, Dave Canton Group's CEO, Dave Canton, joins the show on the heels of a major investment in his business. That's next on Daily Drive. The auto industry's shift to carbon neutrality is here and it's accelerating. But is it enough? This is a moral imperative, an economic imperative, a moment of peril but also a moment of extraordinary possibilities. No more hesitancy, no more excuses, no more waiting for the others to move first. There is simply no more time for that. Driving to Zero is a new podcast series from Automotive News that looks at the auto industry's roadmap to carbon neutrality. We take a big picture look at the environmental, political, and social trends pushing the move toward a greener future and we pull back the curtain on how these decisions are being made at the highest levels. I said, you know, the, the headline that you need is, is GM believes in an all-electric future. And I think Dan Ammon and Mary Barra pretty much said the same thing, which is, is like, but, but we, we don't. Spoiler alert, they came around to that idea. Find out how and much more. I'm Jake Neer. Join me and Automotive News Executive Editor Jamie Butters on Driving to Zero. Available now wherever you get your podcasts.
Your service check-in process sets the tone for your customer's entire visit. Do your customers wait longer than five minutes to check in for service? Are your advisors presenting upsells to every customer every time? How often is the opportunity for a trade appraisal missed? When your service drive gets busy, these inefficiencies directly impact revenue. Give your customers the option to handle the entire check-in process themselves, from appointment scheduling through final confirmation in under two minutes. Customers have the experience they want while selling themselves, which means your advisors are freed up to focus on profit-producing activities. It's a win-win for CSI and your revenue. Introducing a smarter service lane, GoMoto is the self-service kiosk designed to grow your business. If you're ready to start increasing revenue, improving the customer experience, and maximizing service efficiency today, visit GoMoto.com. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. UK-based private investment group Caltraco is buying an undisclosed minority stake in dealership mergers and acquisitions advisory firm Dave Canton Group. Dave Canton is the CEO of his namesake group. He says the investment will help pay for geographic and service expansion for the company he started in 2017. The companies aren't disclosing the financial terms of the deal, but Canton described the investment as significant and said Caltraco valued his company as being worth at least $100 million. I spoke with Canton about the deal and what it says about the state of the retail mergers and acquisitions business. I reached him in New Jersey. Dave Canton, welcome to Daily Drive. Thank you, Jamie. Good morning, and it's great to see you. How are you today? Doing great. So you had some big news to announce about a new investor in the Dave Canton Group, Caltroco, the private investment group out of the United Kingdom. I understand you aren't publicizing the details other than it's a minority stake, but what does this investment mean for your company? Wow, good question, Jamie. And where do we begin? So much it means for our company and for the industry. You know, look, Steve Coltis, uh, the co-founder of CBC Capital Partners, who you know backed us through his family office, Caltraco, comes with so much experience in business. And you know the greatest purpose for this is to utilize their decades long of advisory skill sets to allow us and help us grow geographically uh, in the industry, expanding from the industry, new segments in the industry to allow us to really uh, heighten our advisory skill set. Do you anticipate Steve being involved with the uh, Dave Canton Group? going forward? I do. You know, Steve is not just to me uh, an investor. I look at Steve as, as an incredible mentor and someone that I could really learn from. You know, one of the things that really helped DCG choose Caltraco was, you know, initially when we first met with them, I realized up front that they were not just someone looking at our company as a return on investment, but they were looking at us as a true partnership. And, you know, Steve Coltis and, and Kenny Hammond, the chief investment officer, two incredibly brilliant individuals that could really help uh, myself personally in understanding how to take this business to the next level throughout their years of experience, but also all the resources that they bring to DCG. I'm wondering, would they, when you're looking at deals and maybe sometimes it's uh, hard to get financing, is that something they would jump in and get involved with, or is that really not part of this relationship? You know, Jamie, this is more about us uh, working with Caltraco and their team uh, on, on a weekly, monthly basis, requesting all the resources we need to bring our business to the most incredible level possible. 
right? So if there's things that we're seeing in the industry, as much as it's changing day to day, we could sit with Caltraco and their team and say, hey, this is what we're seeing. Can we, uh, you know, do you have an, a, a, an advisor that could help us in this scenario? And it's really utilizing their tools, their resources, their experience of, you know, 40, 50 years in business on the CBC Capital side, on the Caltraco side, to allow us to break through uh, all this real-time change that's happening in the industry today. But yes, they will be involved in helping us grow and helping us bring the greatest level of advisory tools to the industry. Uh, You're looking at expanding geographically as well? That is part of the plan, right? So within the next 12 months, you, you could expect us to really focus uh, on the U.S., right? All the all the areas that we most likely don't have the greatest footprint in today, the Midwest, the Pacific Northwest, Northern California. But then our ultimate expansion plans are to get into Canada, which we know is an incredible market for us, and then eventually Europe, which we're all really excited for. So you'll be doing some hiring. We are definitely in growth mode, right? That's a, a constant approach we're taking. Um, we call them, you know, you know, we're going to be hiring some really amazing strategic advisors, but also young athletes. Our goal is to hire and keep hiring and bring people into the company and find great roles for them and to really work on internal growth, right? We are so incredibly busy today that as we hire, we're immediately finding uh, work for them and, and ways to keep them busy. So yes, we're definitely in hire mode. So you see expanding geographically throughout the U.S., beyond the U.S., but you're also looking at comparable businesses to auto dealerships that you can advise. Isn't that part of the plan? It is a part of the plan. It's something that we're actually doing right now by entering into new segments of the industry. RV, heavy truck, motorcycles, power sports, you know, huge areas that complement the new car core business in, in, in the U.S. and North America. And, you know, we've already successfully sold uh, Harley-Davidson of, of Daytona, one of the largest Harley dealers uh, in the U.S. And that was an incredible acquisition for us. We've done a few heavy truck acquisitions and we're in the power sports business. And we believe that there is a, a huge way for, for our clients and the new car business to diversify. And we believe also there's going to be a lot of heavy truck and RV clients looking to get into the new car side. So it's definitely a complementary business that will allow the entire auto industry to prosper and our company to advise on it. So there's overlap there because the retail models are similar, but also some of the ownership is is shared. There, like you said, auto dealers trying to diversify their business and and vice versa. That's correct. Yeah, I mean, look, you have a lot of guys in the heavy truck business, a lot of dealers that are heavily focused also in the new car industry. And you're starting to see more than ever now people that are in the new car de- dealership industry enter into power sports and and RV and to really diversify their automotive portfolio. You mentioned Ken Hammond, the chief investment officer. Uh, He said, you know, Dave Canton Group fits uh, with the company's, you know, history of supporting fast growing service businesses with unique and disruptive service models. Tell me a little about your disruptive model. You aren't exactly a traditional agent negotiating against other agents. No. So look, uh, you know, the, the approach that has allowed us to reach our level of success and to really create our recognition and awareness in the industry was working with that buyer and seller uh, as a dual agent to really understand uh, the dynamic approach that it takes to get an acquisition to the finish line. Our approach uh, really allows us from the beginning of the acquisition all the way through and beyond to speak with and work with all parties involved in the acquisition. 
which one has created a significant in increase in our closing ratios of getting a deal successfully closed, but also the ability to work through any issues and objections that come up throughout the acquisition. It's a very successful model, and it's a model that's proven that uh, done carefully and working with both buy side and sell side is productive for all parties involved. You mentioned the possibility of you know issues coming up. I mean, how long does it usually take for a deal to get worked out with uh, with this model or any other model? The average time to get an acquisition from call it to market to successfully closed is about five plus months. You know, the obviously, uh, you know, in the past, you know, three years, as busy as the M&A market has been, uh, OEMs uh, being pretty backed up on, on being able to successfully close, the banking side, uh, just, you know, even attorneys having so many acquisitions on their desk, right? You know, this has been a busy time in the industry. But, you know, if the acquisition has the proper support, advisory, and guidance, a five-month acquisition is our timeline. That's basically the amount of time it takes to work through the negotiations of the agreements, to get all the proper OEM approvals and applications submitted, and to get all the real estate and, and asset work completed to successfully close. You know, we've seen such a uh, incredibly robust, if not outright frothy uh, <laughs> M&A market in auto retail the last few years. Um, I think there's some people speculating, you know, things might slow down or calm down a little. Uh, but I hear a lot of other folks saying, hey, there's going to be a whole new crop of sellers uh, now that some of the margins are getting compressed and they're like, it's, it's time to move on. Where do you see the market going? Yeah, Jamie, good question. And I'll tell you that, look, you know, the last few years have been really good for the industry, right? Buyers, sellers, you know, kind of the perfect storm, especially where interest rates were for a large part of this timeline, even with rates rising. And I say, if we look back 15 months ago at interest rates at two and a half percent compared to where they are today, almost at 8%, we are just as busy, if not busier. And I do not see a slowdown. You know, there are a ton of, of dealers that are in acquisition mode that have that have done very well financially over the past few years. And one of the most promising things of that that I'm hearing and seeing today are successful publicly and privately held automotive groups that are reinvesting their profits back into this industry. They have the ability to reinvest that money anywhere. They have the ability to pay down their debt and pay a lower interest rate. But instead, they're reinvesting it into their growth, into their automotive portfolio, back into this industry, either with tuck-in opportunities surrounding their platform or in completely new geographic locations. So that's a really exciting kind of touch point to realize where the industry is going. You also have a lot of sellers that over the past three and a half years that were considering retirement sat on the sideline and say, hey, I'm not going to walk away from these historic profits. I'm going to stay in as long as I can. Well, guess what? Now with rising rates and all the other, call it real-time change that's happening in the industry today, they're now again reconsidering retirement. So you're going to have a lot of sellers that are saying, hey, I think it's time now. And the other great factor is they're still going to benefit to have uh, some of their, call it COVID profits over the last three and a half years, factored into their evaluation. So look, if you're going to uh, retire out of this incredible industry, you want to do it to uh, receive the greatest evaluation in the last three and a half years is most likely going to benefit you uh, financially from doing so. And then you have the buyer. So we still consider it the perfect storm. So uh, Jamie, to quickly answer your question or the long road to get there, I think the next seven to 10 years is going to be really busy. 
All right. It's going to be an exciting market. We'll keep in touch to see how it plays out. Dave Canton, CEO of the Dave Canton Group. Thanks so much for joining me today. Jamie, thank you for having me on. I look forward to speaking with you soon. You can read more about the deal between Dave Canton Group and Caltraco at autonews.com. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer, as well as our own Lawrence Iliff, Larry Valquette, and Julie Walker for their reporting for today's podcast. You can get the latest news on retail, mergers and acquisitions, EV registrations, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a conversation with David Liu, CEO of Plus, about his company's evolutionary approach toward developing automated driving tech. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.